At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. All right, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe where we serve you delightful, slightly intense, but definitely worthwhile conversations. A podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking, listening, and conversing. So grab your favorite drink and let's see. All right, people, welcome to Peeps Creek, the cafe. You are in episode 49. Episode 49 is the man in the middle. All right. So, you know, here at the cafe, we always have a drink. And today I am drinking on some water. Boom, boom, boom. Got it right there. Mm -hmm. And for those of you out there looking, you may see this little frosted glass. Well, it was frosted, but it's still frozen or pretty cold right now. And I am going to do a little something different. Since we are at the bar, I am actually going to make me a little martini as we actually no, not martini. Duh. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. With a little little flavor to it. Just a little bit of something else. I put a little bang bang lemon drop in here as well with this Manhattan. So we're gonna see how this progresses through here. All right, so <clears throat> it is at about eleven o'clock PM Eastern Standard Time here in DC. I am on a Tuesday evening right now I have a flight <laughs> in the morning I'm going to go to Puerto Rico so when this comes out I will be on the nice beach of Puerto Rico celebrating a friend's birthday the friend doesn't even know that I'm coming I indicated to her that I was unable to come because I needed to work but technically I'm gonna be working a whole trip but that's neither here nor there I'm still gonna go and celebrate my friends so cheers to that happy Early birthday to you, Jay. Mm. That's it. That is it. All right. So <clears throat> I was unsure as to whether or not I was going to record without giving you all too much detail. I had a kind of a annoying situation. Someone who I thought was a look at that nice little towel with martini glasses on here. Anyhow, an associate of mine kind of went berserk and basically just messed up my Tesla. I mean, quite frankly, just keyed it all up all around to the point that it is thousands and thousands of dollars to repair. So I am not with my Tesla right now. I'm not very happy about that. It has been repaired. And in place of that, I have this gas guzzler of a Camaro, which is kind of odd, but given that I'm going to be gone, I guess I can chalk it up as a blessing in the sense that I was able to do what I need to do to get the repairs done. But yeah, know who your friends are, watch out for them. Even the people who you think are the closest sometimes become 
the enemy. And sometimes the people who are closest to you are the individuals who will incite you or attempt to incite you to do more things that you need to do, such as incite you to violence or incite you to anger or incite you to explode or blow up. And that's kind of what we are going to be talking about today. We are going back into time. We are going back into the time of MySpace. I don't know how many of you all actually remember MySpace, but I think it was Tom was everyone's friend and you have the option to have like your top friends and blah, blah, blah on MySpace. I never, I used it, but I couldn't get my backgrounds and everything together, like the color scheme with the lettering and I didn't have a computer at home. So it was like, you know, broken down when MySpace was the bomb. Um, but we are traveling back to 2009 and maybe even a little before that 2008. We are going down to the state of Florida. We are going outside of Tampa. I think the last case we were in, it actually, the last case that I spoke about last week was in Florida. This one, that one was closer to Orlando. This case is closer to Tampa and the name of the suburb, I'm going to try to pronounce it correctly. I think it's Pinellas Park. Okay, we are dealing with three main individuals. Those three main individuals is a Joshua or Josh Camacho and Sarah Ludeman and then Rachel Wade. Okay, now full point of disclaimer, I watched several different shows on this. Every show had a different perspective on it. What I'm going to try to do is mesh things together to try to make a little sense about the case or at least give it to you the way that I reviewed it and how we do things here at the cafe. So we are dealing with an individual, apparently a young man who is Casanova. Mm, mm, ah. Can't sing too much before somebody sue me. But yeah, Josh was an individual who was considered to be a ladies man. He's the type of individual who will walk in a room and women and folks will look at him and be like, Jesus Christ, who was that? Who did that? Who was that coming through the door? So he used, at least as presented, he used his abilities, his looks, right? As a perspective in which he can get things and do things and pretty, pretty much ran women and had them going against each other, several different folks, because he just had it like that. And so we are going to start talking a little bit about a Sarah Ludeman. So Sarah Ludeman in 2009 was approximately 18. I think she was 18 years old. Sarah Ludeman, before she um, got in, in, involved with with one of the individuals that we'll talk about. Sarah Ludeman was for all intents and purposes, a fairly shy young lady. She was an individual who was focused on her school, focused on her grades. Some may categorize her as a nerd. I think you heard me last week talking about the fact that I was a nerd. Yes, I am a proud nerd. I was a nerd in middle school. I was a nerd in elementary. I'm pretty sure I was a nerd in high school, although I started opening up a little blossom a little more, more based upon my friends that, you know, I had in um, March of Band and things of that nature. But anyhow, she was considered a, a, a nerd possibly. And she also considered a family girl in the sense that her weekends was perfectly fine, simply sitting around reading or playing with her father, having jokes and, and conversations with her parents. So her and her parents had a great relationship. They hung out for at least as presented. And she was just all around the quote unquote American girl. We are going to contrast that with another individual who is part of this three way. I'm going to call it that. It is a Rachel 
Wade, okay, W-A-D-E. Rachel was the polar opposite of that, right? Rachel was an individual, I'm going to categorize her as a go-getter. She was an individual who is about her business, right? She is about being on her own, independent. She dropped out of high school, I think around 16. She decided that she wanted to get a full-time job. She got a full-time job in Applebee's. Because she was able to work full-time, she was able to have her own little place. Individuals who knew her, some of her friends and some of her exes, categorized her as a uh, kind of the type of girl who would go against the grain. She was rebellious, as some would say. Others people would look at that and say, well, what teenager wasn't rebellious, you know. But anyhow, for for purposes of this episode, people categorized her as being rebellious. She, at one point, I think was, according to some folks, she would sneak out her home, go and spend a night at her ex-boyfriend house, spend the weekend there. And she would run away from home. I think at some point in time, there was an estimate that she would run away from home maybe twice or I don't know, twice every two weeks or something like that, to the point that she was just out there. And then Josh was not only a good looking kid, to, according to individuals, and you can pull up his pictures and make your own assessment of that. He was a good looking kid, had nice long hair, had curly hair when I guess he wet it or put activator in it. I don't know. Some some points he had nice curly hair. He had nice fair skin, or I, I don't know if he was Hispanic or not. At least he looked Hispanic. It could be something else. But he had tattoos, was considered kind of a rough kid and a ladies man. I think I've said that already. He was a ladies man. He would pose a lot of pictures on MySpace with his muscles and his abs out, you know, getting ready for the beach. And so he also would have like a pit bull with him and things of that nature. So he was kind of the type of individual for all intents and purposes, the type of individual that is a, how shall I say this? He shouldn't be touched, right? People think he's a bad boy. Oh my God, he's invincible. And, I, you know, I'm not a female, but some females tend to like that bad boy persona. And those individuals who tend to be good boys, I think there's a saying that good boys never win. So, Camacho, jo Josh was definitely one of those individuals. I should mention that Rachel was about 10 months older than Sarah, but they both were about 18. All right. So, I'm going to, as I always do, I kind of like the way Killer Post does it episode. I watched that one and it's, I also watched the one that is on Snap. Both totally different perspectives in the presentation of information and how it's presented. So I am going to talk about it from um, Killer Post perspective, but I will weave in things that were identified or less presented on Oxygen. Now, on Killer Post, they always start off with the climax, right? The climax in this particular instance is that there was a an altercation, an altercation that involved two females. And if you wanted to take a pop quiz right now, you should be able to get 100% because you should know who the two females are. And that involved Sarah and Rachel. Okay, so one of the females in up in the hospital as a result of this altercation and it escalates and then we revert back to try to understand how these three individuals became involved with one another. All right, so Sarah met Josh and Sarah met Josh at a Chick-fil-A. Josh worked at a Chick-fil-A. Apparently at one particular time they were interacting with each other and looking at each other while she was there in the restaurants with her restaurant with her friend, friends, plural. Josh came over you know, try to 
put the swagger on and, and give them a free shake. And then apparently at one particular point, he left his number for Sarah and told Sarah to give him a call and if they wanted to hang out, whatever. Sarah was intrigued by this. And why was Sarah intrigued by this? According to individuals, she was a intrigued by this because she was a shy girl. She wasn't into guys. She was almost bashful of being with guys, right? So here you have this guy of all these folks in Chick-fil-A. He comes to her. He leaves her his number and basically says, you know, call me or, you know, you want to hang out? Let me know. Text me or what have you. So she was ecstatic about this. And so that particular day when when Josh did that, she actually stayed after, according to some reports, stayed after at Chick-fil-A, waited for him to get off now. OK, <laughs> waited for him to get off. And then they ended up hanging out and going to some particular party that some of the, the other students were aware. Of. And so in, in, in regards to this party, though, on Killer Post, when he went to the party, he took Sarah as his date. But apparently, you know, the 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 climax or the the dramatic aspect of this in this particular show is that when she came in the door, all the other females was looking like, what in the world? Like, why would you bring this up in here? In other words, you know, this is not the type of girl that you normally would go after. So why are you bringing her here? It should be me. Right. I should be with you. I look better than her type of thing. And so at this particular party, Josh, I guess, since this and as a way to, to flip off everybody or flip the bird to everybody to say, I can do what I want. I can be with whom I want. I can bring around whoever I want. Apparently he goes, he hugs her and he kisses her at the party. And of course, this um, creates other chatter in the background from the other individuals like, what the world? Why are you kissing her? This is not the type of chick you're supposed to be with. And then for Sarah. This was love, right? This was an odd. Uh, this was someone who saw her differently, saw her in a light that she probably didn't see herself in because she didn't have that that level of self-confidence of dealing with guys, relationships and things of that nature. So she was ecstatic. So as it as that progressed, Josh essentially became Sarah's everything. He became her first love. He became her first lover in the sense that she decided that she wanted to give her virginity um, to him, but she wanted to give herself to him to show that she was appreciative, not only the fact that he saw her differently, but he made her see herself differently. And in that regards, Sarah started dressing differently. She started behaving differently. She started to cut everything and everybody out except for Josh. And I think on one of these accounts at some point, she was so infatuated with being with Josh that she actually switched schools so that she could be closer to him. And so the, her parents, Sarah's parents didn't really like this. They didn't like the fact that Sarah wasn't the Sarah that they knew, the Sarah that they used to cuddle up with them and watch TV or talk about her day or maybe play checkers or play some kind of card game with them. Instead, she wanted to go hang out with Josh and ride on the motorcycle and be out all types of night with Josh. And her parents felt a little annoyed by that. And quite frankly, as it was presented of both discussions of the case, both on Killer Post and on on Snapped, the parents just didn't like her, didn't like Josh, didn't like Josh at all. There were several things about Josh that they felt were issues and should have been red flags for her. 
her Ben Sarah. But these are things that she either refused to accept, refused to identify, or simply ignored. And so some of these red flags that the parents identified was the fact that Josh um, had been arrested before for shoplifting. He had some kind of outstanding warrant out at some particular time, and it's unclear exactly what that outstanding warrant was on. And one of the other things was is that he had a baby mama, right? He had someone who had a baby. Now, for me, I'm not sure why that was a, pe- a red flag. In fact, I'm just going to segue off of here. People talked about that as if that was a negative thing. I'm not sure it's necessarily a negative thing. A negative thing. I'm not sure that it's indicative of a bad behavior, right? People have um, sex out of wedlock. People have sex as a young, young at a young age, and sometimes as a a part of that, part of those consequences is having a baby. So for me, that wasn't necessarily a red flag. Now, perhaps better said is the red flag of he didn't seem to be concerned about his baby mom or the child, at least as, as it was presented in the different shows right now. No one ever said that he didn't. It's just the way that they presented it. I don't know one way or the other where he, whether he did or not, but I think that was kind of the perspective of what the parents were concerned about. And these were red flags that they thought Sarah should have picked up on. But I guess the real issue really becomes is that at some point in time, Sarah begins to realize that he wasn't a one man one woman type of man. He believed, <laughs> at least as presented, he believed that he should sow his royal oaks. I don't know how much royal he was, but he did not believe that he needed to be um, boggled down or attached to one particular individual. And so how did Sarah find this out? Sarah found this out the old social media way, right? She went onto his wall on MySpace and I'm just going to paraphrase something. It was something in the nature of posting something on his his wall about them being in love and how much he loved them and their relationship, blah, blah, blah. And basically, yeah, someone responding was like, why the hell are you posting on my man's page, okay? <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know who you think you are, but Josh is my man, okay? Basically, that the other person who posted that. And who was that other person? That other person was Rachel Wade. Rachel and and Josh were seeing each other. And as presented, it appears that Rachel and and Josh began seeing each other after Sarah and Josh began seeing each other. And so at one particular point, Sarah called herself confronting Josh. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But in response to that particular post, instead of getting upset with Josh and basically trying to figure out what's going on or hell, maybe wait for Josh to respond and be like, I'm not with you talking about the other girl. Sarah decides she wasn't going to back down. And so she was basically saying, uh, what makes you think he's yours? Okay. (laughs) So, here we are on MySpace with all their individual friends, Tom, too. I'm sure Tom was probably looking at that as well, uh, <laughs> trying to figure out what in the world was going on between Sarah, Josh, and and Rachel. But at the end of the day, Rachel and Sarah began getting into a tug of war on MySpace, on each other's walls, about who's, whose man Josh is, and this, that, and the third. Now, here is at this particular point where 
I want to take a pause, right? Instead of going after the individual who's causing the issue, right? Because apparently both of them thought Josh was his, their man or associated with them. Instead of going after the individual who created the riff, who, who failed to tell us or failed to disclose, hey, we are not exclusive or I'm already seeing someone and I'm seeing you to make, you know, if maybe he was going on test drive, right? I'm testing this out to see if this is truly the type of relationship I want to be in. Those types of things, more likely than not, at least as presented, it didn't appear as if those types of things were discussed between the three of them, which is why I call this episode, the man in the middle. So Sarah decides she's going to go to Josh and she's going to confront Josh. So she goes and she attempts that she's going to confront Josh. And it was like, what the hell, Josh? the hell are you doing that to me for Josh? We supposed to be together. My gosh, you're supposed to be my man. Hmm? The hell? <laughs> and so Josh, at least in one of them, is on playing basketball with his boys. And he looks at her. And he's basically like, nah, not at all. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> don't hate the player. Hate the game is basically what he told her. And she was just, she just couldn't believe that that's the approach he took. She just couldn't believe that. I mean, she got pissed, got in her little minivan and sped on off, right? Now, instead of getting her minivan and speeding off and staying away, she decided that she was going to stick by her man and she was going to ensure that everyone understood that Josh was her man and that Rachel was not a threat and Rachel should be like, getting out the picture all right in true social media world fashion sarah appeared to double down on her perspective that she is the true individual who's supposed to be with josh and that she is the girlfriend so she started posting pictures of her and josh on myspace making posts about love and blah 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 flowers and the moon and the earth and in the midst of all of this josh is still messing with all all of them as I, as I understand it he was also engaged with other people outside of those two and quite frankly he adored the fact that he had these two women scowling after him they these two women were after him and after under his ass and things of that nature and fighting for his love so it was a game as to him and it wasn't something that he really cared that they these two women were you know on social media going back and forth about absolutely nothing because at the end of the day at the trial he we'll get to that but at the end of the day he basically said he wasn't with any of them they were just fleeing they were just sleepovers they were just for fun basically and 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 and, and, and even though both of these women saw these things they refused to accept it and i don't know why they could have probably gone to see other people and and Rachel at least as presented in these different shows Rachel wasn't even initially into Josh right she wasn't like Sarah in the sense that Sarah was ecstatic that Josh was talking to them talking to her and, and showing her attention whereas Rachel was basically like bro nah I'm good thank you because they knew each other growing up Josh and Rachel and so Rachel made Josh work for it 
and and I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about work for the aspect of getting to know her, getting into her space, getting into her energy. But I guess once he got into her energy and her space, she became at least as presented, she became a little possessive. And I don't know if she became possessive because she loved him or most more so that it was a control aspect of it. And so this was a test in the sense that here I have this chick who doesn't look like me, who isn't as edgy as me, who for all intents and purposes, isn't pretty, right? Now, I'm not saying that it's truth. I'm saying this is the perspective of what Rachel probably was thinking. And in fact, I think there are text messages where she referred to Rachel as fat and this, that, and the third. Now, let's talk about bring it on home to kind of how this just all escalates. So then we can break this down a little further because I don't want to keep you all that much longer, but I do want to finish this great martini that... I keep calling it martini. This great Manhattan with a little fizz of lemon drop bang bang. Now, for those of you who don't know what lemon drop bang bang is, lemon drop bang bang is an energy drink that I use when I go to the gym. They sell it at the gym. So I went to the gym right before this and decided to come on home and, and make this recording. Um, so I can go to sleep and get up at like four in the morning to catch this flight now. So ultimately, at some point, Sarah and her friends get into their minivan. We're back on this minivan. They on Zoom on over. They found out where Rachel was. And so apparently there was from the root from 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 Sarah's perspective, as presented, she wanted to figure out and resolve this, not sit down and let's have tea, right? Because you want to sit down and have tea. You're not going to be driving to somebody's house late at night in a minivan with your friends. Now, what you might want to do is send a message on, send a message on MySpace and be like, hey, you want to get, go to the coffee shop? Come on, let's go to Peeps Creek Cafe and, and talk this out, that type of thing. Uh, but she didn't do that. She wanted to get into a minivan. She wanted to drive on down there. I don't know. <laughs> I, I want to know what they were listening to. This isn't funny, but just to put a little spin to it, right? Because in all things... You got to have some kind of joy. I want to know what they were listening to in the minivan. Making my way downtown. Or what they listened to Britney Spears. I don't know. I'm just want to kind of take that in perspective and see exactly what they were feeling. But putting that aside, okay. They get there and Sarah, Rachel get into an argument and then it gets into fisticuffs. They are actually engaging with one another and fighting each other. And... At some point, they're fighting and then Sarah pulls back. And as a result of that, when she pulls back, she falls to the ground and all people see is blood because apparently close to her chest area, there is blood gushing out. And and what people what people are trying to figure out is where did this blood come from? How did it get there? Who pulled what knife or what weapon out? to do that but at the end of the day sarah is taken to the hospital she's in critical condition and so the friends sarah friends call and basically say that they need some help they need the ambulance to come and and get sarah and so then when the police arrive they're trying to understand from the eyewitnesses there what's going on and so sarah friend says that you know Sarah and Rachel got into it. At some point, someone says that Rachel threw the first punch. Other folks say it was Sarah who threw the front first punch. But the reality is at that particular time, the police hadn't spoken with Rachel. So they 
eventually finds Rachel and Rachel is cool as a cucumber. Okay. Rachel is sitting on someone's porch or some kind of stairway, smoking a cigarette and just looking and waiting peacefully and waiting for the cops to come. Okay. So the cops come, they get, they take Rachel downtown, right? They interview her. And they basically, Rachel admits that she stabbed Sarah. Okay. Now, but the problem becomes is that Rachel says that she stabbed Sarah because A, not only did she come to seek her out, because this is where Rachel was. Rachel was not where she resides. She was at a friend's house. In fact, there was an ex-boyfriend. Um, I think his name was Javier or something like that. She was at his house. They were chilling. And so they actively sought her out to find out where she was. And they came and they came with the intentions of trying to harm her. And she was intimidated by them. And the reason that she felt that, she, at least as she presented it to the cops, she was intimidated by them because when she worked at Applebee's, Sarah and her friends would come to Applebee's. They would taunt her. They will. They would do karaoke at, at, at Applebee's. And what they would do is they would create all these, these different lyrics that were making fun of Rachel. So kind of bullying her, putting her in perspective that she's less than right. She said, Applebee's don't basically not educated this, that, and the third, you know? And so Rachel felt like they were constantly harassing her, constantly bullying her. Now there's, there are some reports that one of the girls sprayed silly spray on the other one. I don't know if it was Sarah and her friends who sprayed it on Rachel or vice versa. To me, it was just stupid. So I didn't really care one way or the other. And then there's the, the perspective that Rachel would spit in Sarah's food when they would come and eat at Applebee's or put hair in her food so that they can eat it, her and her friends. So th these two girls obviously were not friends. We, we can establish that. I think when you break it all out factually, you can say that these two were not friends. Factually, you can say that these two had dislike for each other. And factually, you can say that they both were vying for the same individual, that individual being Josh. Okay. Now, according to Rachel, Rachel says that when she told Josh about what was going on and how Rachel was coming after them and excuse me, Sarah was coming after them hard and things of that nature coming after her hard and being just harassing Josh basically said all is fair in love and war like what you doing like at least she's showing that she loves me or like me what you doing like you're not doing anything how do I know you even like me so for Rachel her perspective was that Josh kind of instigated or incited these type of behaviors between the two women all right now of course there is some perspective that Rachel had it out for Sarah and she had intentions of doing X, Y, and Z to, to Sarah. And in the process of this, what the cops asked Rachel was, okay, so you felt threatened. You told us why. Okay. So what did you do with the knife? And Sarah, excuse me, Rachel indicates that she threw the knife on a neighbor's rooftop right now. For some people, both in both documentaries or both presentations, both on Killer Post and as well as Oxygen, a lot of people or several individuals took that, the fact that she threw the knife 
as an indication that she had intended to kill. Now, I don't take that perspective, okay, at all. I think any reasonable person who is afraid of, confused about, frightened about something that they just did that they know is improper, sometimes you do things that are erratic, right? Just like you take, for example, people don't grieve the same. There are some people who break down a grief. There are some people who don't break down at all until months later. There's some people who decide to continue partying through their grief, right? How people grieve is not, they grieve differently. It's not, it's not an indication that they don't care about whatever happened if a loved one passed away. Same thing here. There are sometimes where there are situations, there are circumstances that you're in that you just, your mind don't click together and you behave erratically that doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to hide something so for me you know i i didn't take that as evidence that she was trying to hide the fact that she was intending to harm sarah now do i think she had some attention well it, it depends because at the end of the day she took a choice she made a decision to go before she went outside to to speak with Sarah, she made the she made the decision to go into the kitchen and grab a knife. Now, we can bring that back to something current. I think there was some case where there was a young lady, an African-American young lady, who felt that all of these girls were coming after her. And so she went and, and took some kind of weapon in defense of herself because there's more people against her than 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 herself. And I, I think that resulted in her being harmed by the police officers, right? Now, that doesn't mean that she had the intent of killing. That doesn't mean that she had the intent to harm. That could just be that she wanted to protect herself. Same thing here. I think that there's argument one way or the other that you can argue, depending on what side of the fence that you're on, that she intended to harm Sarah and her friends. But you also could take the, the inverse of that and say that she was trying to protect herself. All right. So we get into all this. At the end of the day, Sarah dies. Okay. It's unfortunate. We have an 18-year-old female gone at the result of being stabbed in an altercation with another female based upon the fact that both of these girls were vying after the same guy, okay? Now, in regards to Rachel's perspective, there is evidence that Sarah did, in fact, come out with the intent of fighting and jumping Rachel. Okay. I think Sarah's friends substantiated that at least as presented in the, or in the two presentations or documentaries, however you want to identify them as. And Josh's sister, I think her name is Janelle Camacho, confirmed that she went, that they all were together. When I say they all, she, Sarah, as well as Josh were together at some particular point, they were all drinking, having a good time. Sarah was getting upset at the fact that Rachel was still in the picture or maybe even sending messages. And so she got into the vehicle and intended to go and fight Rachel. There's also evidence that Sarah jumped Josh's baby mom because the baby mother had come to confront Josh for not supporting her or her child or assisting with the child. And Sarah decided that she wanted to show her man that she meant business, that she was going to stand by him no matter what. And that even though she was a good girl, she had rough edges. And so she was going to go in and mollywop this girl for all, all accounts. That's what happened, right? So, 
when Sarah dies, the charges are upgraded from aggravated assault, right, to second degree murder. So ultimately they end up, they go to trial. And so there's two sides of this coin, right? The prosecution is presenting Rachel as an individual who was intent on harming Sarah, basically intent on removing her from the picture. And the reason that they presented that is, is that one of Rachel's ex-boyfriends came into the picture. I don't know. I forget his name. I don't know if it's Nicholas, Jeff, something, but I don't think that's relevant. The fact of the matter is, is that one of her ex-boyfriends came into the picture and spoke to the officers. He told the officers that when he and Rachel were living together, that she was violent in the sense that she would pop off. And I mean, pop off and just start welling on him for whatever reason. And in one particular instance, she pulled a knife right on him and put it to his throat. Now, the cops present that to to Rachel and Rachel was like yeah I was pissed off but I didn't I didn't intend to do anything right now why is that important okay there's a such thing in law that is considered now okay I'm going to say this and say this again I said this on many episodes okay none of this is legal advice this is just opinion so don't take it as legal advice. All right. So putting that aside, we got that disclaimer. Now, the such thing as laws considered prior bad acts. And even though there is not a charge or an arrest related to the issue with her ex-boyfriend, the, the aspect is, is that that prior bad act is evidence of it can show motive. It can show means. It can show opportunity. It can show intent, preparation, planning and knowledge. In other words, Rachel possessed enough information from her prior bad acts to show that what she was wielding this in this instance, a knife deadly and potentially grave consequences. And she did it once in her past with someone that she was intimately involved with. And if she can do it with someone that she was intimately involved in, then she more likely than not can do it with this individual who she had a beef with, right? Now, there we not only do we have that, we also have multiple messages where Rachel was sending messages to 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 Sarah basically saying, stay away from my motherfucking man, blah, 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 boom, boom, boom. Now, Rachel claims that she also received these type of messages from Sarah. But when the police tried to get her information, Sarah, Rachel's phone was um, erased. Nothing was there. Now, that's a red flag, okay, for me personally. If I am a person who has been threatened by an individual and these individuals or this individual along with two other individuals are coming to my spot that I'm in. This ain't my house. I'm at my friend's house. I'm chilling and you coming and seeking me out. I'm keeping that information because I want to show that, look, you threatened me, right? You, you did X, Y, and Z. And at some point, Rachel claims that she attempted to go to the magistrate at one particular point in time to get a restraining order against Sarah out of fear of her life. But the magistrate denied that because there was no evidence that her life was in danger. Now, it's not clear from either of them whether or not the police was able to substantiate whether or not she attempted to get that information. Now, here's what the police was able to do, though. Police were able to pull records from Rachel's phone, right? Her phone carrier to get the text messages that she had. So now this is before iPhones. I think we talked about this on one particular episode 
that we had, you know, these were not encrypted messages, right? And so there is a federal law that allows you to subpoena your cell phone carrier for information relating to to text messages that they may store as well as cell phone um, calls and things of that nature, right? Now, you can do that for criminal, right? You can do it for purposes of a crime or to prevent a crime from happening. It's much harder and almost nearly impossible in some instance to do it from a civil action, okay? Civil is when you're suing someone. Criminal is when the state is coming after you. All right, now... The cops were able to pull that information from Rachel's phone to show that she was the one sending all the messages. And at some point, a friend of Sarah's was able to to get the passcode to Sarah's voicemail and they were able to to retrieve voicemails from Rachel, where Rachel was basically like, bitch, stay away from my man. I'm coming after you. If you don't stay away from my man, I'm going to fucking kill you. Right now, they bring that to Rachel, they've been the police officers, and Rachel says, well, you know, I was just angry. I was just trying to scare her, blah, blah, blah. But she was doing the same thing to me. But again, there was no evidence from either Sarah's carrier or phone. They could not retrieve text messages because it was held by a third party that required a code, and that code allegedly died with Sarah. Uh, but there was no evidence that there was threats from Sarah. It was more so that Rachel was doing threats. So when they went to trial, that's how the prosecution presented this case, that Rachel hated Sarah. Rachel wanted Sarah out the picture. Rachel wanted Josh to him herself. And so it was just an unfortunate situation. There were witnesses called on both sides. The defense perspective was that this was self-defense. And in fact, they called Rachel to the stand and Rachel testified and she testified and you, you, you couldn't help but get sympathy from her. She looked young, right? She sounded as if she was sincere in her perspective. But at the end of the day, they played the voicemail where she basically said, I'm going to kill you. And then the prosecution asked her, you, you, you basically claim the prosecution says you basically claim that Sarah threatened you. But between you and Sarah, you're the only one who fulfilled your threat. Isn't that right? And Rachel said yes. I don't know why she said yes, okay? Because <laughs> I wouldn't say yes, okay? But her 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 lawyer should have should have trained her a little better if they didn't. I'm assuming they. I'm pretty sure they did. And you know, when you understand, you just don't know. You you have all the emotion and the raw emotions going on. You things you you can't control it. But she says yes to that. And at the end of the day, the jury goes back. I think they deliberate for maybe three hours. That's not really a good sign in a criminal case. In a criminal case, you know, when they go back and they come back quick, nine times out of ten is against. And so Sarah's mom was asking for life for Rachel. The judge declined to do that. The judge gave her 27 years. So she is eligible for parole. I think in 2035, she'll be 45 years old. The parents filed a wrongful death suit against Rachel. I don't know what happened as a result of that because A, Rachel ain't got no money, but typically when that happens, people are doing that for a point, to prove a point, to show um, that you are the cause of that. And when you come out, right, every penny you try to make, I'm going to try to pull and collect, whether that is getting a judgment so that they take it directly out of your account, that is going and to IRS and making sure that any kind of refunds you get come to me. So, you know, they they filed that. Now, what I don't know is why 
no one filed a civil action against Josh, particularly in the sense that it appears as if he was in the middle of this. He was inciting this. And in fact, when he testified at trial, he presented himself as he really didn't care about this. And he enjoyed the fact that this was going on between these two girls. Like this was showtime in Apollo for him almost. And so it's just, I, 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 I don't know why they didn't do anything. Maybe there could have been something criminally. And I don't know why they didn't charge him. Right now, one, one individual indicated that you can't charge someone for being a dick or an asshole. And that's true. There typically there is no crime against being an asshole, but I'm sure there is something that you can do that, you know, inciting violence or, you know, particularly in a sense where there's the argument in the sense of, Hey, maybe you should be doing a little more because Sarah's out here fighting for me. She's beating up bitches for me. You're sitting right here chilling. Like maybe you need to do a little more. And so could that be an argument of conspiracy? I don't know. I don't know. It depends on the facts. It depends on the circumstances. But it seems as if maybe they could have pulled him in a little more. But yeah, so, you know, we got one young lady whose life is missing. She's no longer here. Her parents can't see her. The only way that they can see her is going, looking at pictures, looking at maybe family home videos, and then visiting her gravesite if she's buried or if, she, or if her ashes are with her. That's, that's what they have. All over a dude who didn't want either one of them at the end of the day. And all over a person who... After they testified, they were able to leave the courtroom and do whatever they normally wanted to do and maybe engage in the same type of behavior. And so, you know, you, you, you truly need to think there is no such thing as a love that great. I just don't think so. Mm -mm. Not in my household, not in my lifetime, not in my world. There's no love. Look at that. Mm -hmm. I said on this particular episode and got a little tipsy with this Manhattan, but I'm happy about that. I'm just, this was a good episode. I, I enjoyed watching it. I got up at 5.30 a.m. To, to watch it and watch the other, watch both presentations of it. I thought both of them did differently, both from a different perspective. But yeah, so that is the case. That is episode 49, the, the man in the middle, okay? This goes, for, this goes for male and female, okay? Ain't no man worth it, ain't no female worth it, okay? you like both of them ain't no female male worth it period at the end of the day you don't need to be getting into no altercation fist fighting over some dude fist fighting over some woman or some woman fist fighting over a female it's not worth it right at the end of the day cut your loss move on and 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 find somebody who enjoy you who appreciates you and understand you but it's not worth giving up your life and going to jail and it's definitely not worth being land in someone's gravesite or on someone's mantle because you're no longer here if anything you know yeah you just you just don't need to do that so you know here at the cafe again we always have a, a conversation centered around a drink this is episode 49 episode 49 is the man in the middle all right make sure that you like us on um youtube comment and subscribe on there make sure that you give us a rating on apple podcast listen to us on any kind of podcast directory that you're looking that you listen to your favorite one we're there look us up on our website we have our our videos on our website as well as well as the episode and our transcriptions for every episode 
it's on the website as well all right until next time they can continue to drink listen and converse peace and love mm. that's good <laughs>